0: you're listening to the broadway podcast network
1: how was your night alex (laughs) alex so we don't usually talk about the movies that we're going to talk about in our cold open but i just want to say look right now we're in this great period of invention quarantine where people are thinking when we first started quarantine you know yo you know shakespeare wrote king lear in quarantine when you come out you know have a fucking masterpiece and then everybody you know pushed up against that and we are like no you shouldn't feel you need to have a fucking masterpiece when you come out of quarantine i want to come out of quarantine with a time machine i'll tell you why because with this time machine the first place i'm gonna go is june 16th 2020 that was yesterday i'm gonna go back to the nick that had the idea to do the theme the worst movie to watch at 2 a.m over again because we already did it but then the audio was bad because my microphone at the time sucked. So we were like, let's do it again. And this time, you know, last time I chose It Follows. This time I, w- I chose a movie that we will get into after the cold open. I watched it at 2 a.m. last night. Me and Alex watched our movies at 2 a.m. And I was texting him. And I was scared shitless. I have never been more frightened of a fucking movie in my life. And I I, I, I want to get in the time machine. I want to go back to myself and say, listen. Fucker, Don't fucking do this. Are you insane? What's wrong with you? Get fucking help. Get help right now.
0: I would go back and meet Leonardo da Vinci. Little Joe.
1: <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to Little Justice. This thing we do. I am Nick Walker. I'm Alex Smolo. Today's theme, as as I said already, is not Leonardo da Vinci. I really FAB. hate it. Now, this was your idea. I know this was a fucking
0: dude. This was a terrible fucking idea. I was a little surprised because oh like, yeah, the God. first time we did it, you talked about how difficult. Horror, horror movies are for you. I kind of like it. You know, I, I grew up on this. I'm like, it's an experience for sure. You got to brace yourself to get into a horror movie, but I I can do it. But you, you
1: avoid the Tower of Terror. I hate it. I fucking hate the Tower of Terror. I hate that shit. I hate it because, you know, I can do it when it's the Guardians of the Galaxy because the queue is fun. It's a fun queue. Benicio Del Toro's there and you got the little rocket puppet. Like, hey, we're going to break him out of the lift. And you fucking go in the lift and and you're like, eh, hands up, everybody. It's time to rock and roll. And like, that's fucking fun. It's not like Twilight Zone Tower of Terror where it's like, on this night you're going to fucking die you're going to you, die like the you're whole gonna, like you're really? going to shit your pants
0: it's safe to assume that you don't watch horror movies often no
1: so my wife loves a good horror movie so i'm trying to get into them more and here's what's interesting, too. we try to choose very specific genres because if we were to just do the you know favorite horror movie favorite this movie favorite that movie, we'd be out of genres within a uh, half a half a year. Do you know what I mean? So what we're doing is we're getting specific about the genres that we are doing so this is this was not just a horror movie; this was the worst movie the to worst watch <laughs> at two a m specifically, what movie is the worst movie to watch two a m so first, you have to break down what is 2 a.m. 2 a.m. is when it's dark. It's when it's like right before it's like an hour before the witching hour shadows on the fucking walls. It's not just dark. It's empty. You know, it's like every everybody's in bed. It's been quiet
0: for several hours. Right. It's not it's not like, oh, like I'm going to bed and now it's 2 a.m. It's like, no, everyone's already been asleep. Things have had a chance to crawl out of the shadows.
1: When I was watching this movie, I had my headphones in, but I also had some, you know, people riding, like, random people would ride by on their bicycles. I don't know if they were delivering shit or whatever. It was fucking brutal, and I can't tell you how already terrified I was to the point where, in, and, I, te- you know, me and Alex were texting while we were watching these movies, and we were both like, God, our, you know, our wives are asleep. It's just us. This is the dumbest thing we ever could have done. And I told Alex, at, some, at a certain point, I had to stop watching the movie with sound. I had to turn off the sound. That was how bad.
0: So you turned off the sound. So here you are sitting there. You've put headphones on. You've yeah. committed yourself to watching a horror movie. And we'll find yeah. out which one it is in a bit. How far into the movie were you before you turned the sound off? Because that seems ridiculous to me. I'll tell you where it
1: comes from. Um, when I was a kid, I was, cause I've was because i always been scared of, of scary movies. And not even like scary movies. Movies that like, if I was to watch them now, I'd be like, oh, that this is actually not a scary movie. Movies like Congo. I was terrified as a kid of Congo. <laughs> I did not want to watch it, and I remember because what would happen is when whenever my my cousins and my mom would take me to a movie, whenever the scary part would start would start you know r- r- ratcheting up, I would stand up in the middle of theater, and then people behind be like, "Get the kid to sit down," and then I but I would stand up, and then I would I would t- stand up for about 10, 15 seconds, and then walk out to the aisle, and then walk up the aisle, and just stand in the back of the theater till this part is over, and then I would return to my seat. And that was how I watched these films. And to this day, I still do a similar thing where I put my hand in my ears. And the reason, the reason that, you know, I turned the sound off is because <laughs> the, fir- one of the, shut up. One of the second times that I did this, one of the, the very kind teenage movie attendant, like it was almost like, it was almost out of a scary movie. Cause he like appear, like I was in the back of the theater and all of a sudden this like movie attendant, like comes around the corner from the shadows. And he's like, Hey kid, you know, what makes it scary is the sound so if you plug your ears it won't be scary anymore and then he just wanders off like a fucking ghost but it's true the, what, what the ghost what so the ghost attendant said y- is true your life has been shaped by a,
0: a creepy teenager stalking around a, a dark movie theater talking to little children <laughs> yes okay. i got it yes now i understand oh your relationship to horror movies because yes. you have lived in one
1: because i absolutely lived in one <laughs> but, but it's so it's so true so you know half of what makes horror movies wh- horrifying are the sounds and is the and when you have a horror movie that has a good soundscape i was just like okay I, I, there was there was a there's a big climax about you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes into the movie, and after that moment, I was like, "Let me watch it without sound for a little while," and then I turned it back on. And Did I it? Wor- mean-
0: Did it work? Oh yeah, was no, it no, less it's, scary? It's,
1: it's it's actually you should try it. Try it with not a horror movie, you know.
0: Well, I, see, I'm an adult person. Like, I can get through a
1: horror movie. Yeah, uh, I don't want I don't want to do and, that and get like, to the other side. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this, but people are dying every fucking day. I don't want to subject myself to. Too much insanity. The world is insane enough. However, well, so
0: yeah, so that brings me to the point of horror movies are really built to make you feel uncomfortable, right? There's yes. like this human innate drive to want to be scared, and I, I wonder why that is. Do do people like it because it, it pumps their adrenaline?
1: I think it's adrenaline. I I would also I'm sure there's a lot of analysis of this, you know, on videos. Please, by the way, if you if you find these analysis videos, tweet them at us at Little Justice Pod you know, on the Twitter, uh, L-I-L-J-U-S-T-I-C-E, pod. Got to plug it there.
0: Little justice.
1: You know, I, I also think that on top of this, um, this neat, this adrenaline rush that we get, is like the idea that like, you know, on a good horror movie, you put yourself into someone's shoes. You know, horror movies are actually the best at building empathy for their central character because the, the, the entire conceit of a horror movie works on the premise that you identify with whoever you're following through this movie, right? Because when they're scared, you're scared. So it actually creates a lot of empathy with a character. And horror movie scripts have to be really, really good to do that. But you're able to go through something terrifying and walk away. You know, I think so. I think it's not only the adrenaline rush. It's like a way to kind of dip your toe into danger without actually being... Angry. Right. The idea of, of conquering something yeah, with a safe exit. Because there always is a safe exit, right?
0: Always. Like you're watching a movie and you know you know that there's no ghost in your house you know that you're not going to die i mean you kind of know you're going to walk away from this experience so maybe there's some kind of like subconscious need to like survive something
1: i think there is i think i think we love i think we love feeling alive i think we love feeling alive and i think horror movies help us do that
0: and it's interesting to to historically to track horror movies through time i took a course in college uh a film history course about Horror movies, and every week you show up, and we would watch a different horror movie from a different decade, and kind of track the evolution of horror movies from the beginning. And it's so interesting to look at what comes out during different like social points yeah. in the history of the world. Yeah, uh, like what kind of horror people are attracted to. I'll be curious to see what comes out of of this year <laughs> specifically because it brings out people's fears. Like, what are people really afraid of? Oh. You know, the, The 50s and 60s had this whole like nuclear bomb end of the world stuff going on. Um, The 80s got us Candyman. (laughs) Um, You know, I'll I'll be curious to see with with quarantine and and everything like what
1: really people are going to need to face. Well, it's interesting because so many of the horror movies that have come out recently, right, have been in some way. Reflective, you know, we call them. You know, somebody said social justice horror movies, right? In that they're speaking of not only the the Jordan Peele movies, but also like uh, like the Invisible Man. It
0: extends to even like slasher movies, right? Like like Scream. <laughs> Resonated with a time because it was a very comfortable suburban, and the idea of somebody with a knife coming into your house and killing you on some level resonated with the culture. Even though it's a dumb slasher movie, it resonates on some level. It ha- it has to, and like that's not that's not scary anymore. You know, these they try to reboot Halloween and all these movies a million times, uh, and it doesn't work quite as well because we are not scared of it anymore. You know, this this unknown factor because we know everything with the internet.
1: But, well, and to your point, I think what we don't know right now is ourselves. I think that that's that is the way that Jordan Peele has been able to get away with what he what he's done is because he is looking at us as a country, you know, the movie us and get out. And all his, you know, all his other stuff. And it's, and especially the movie that I chose that I should not have chosen. One of the things that I was like ch- just struck by was like how much of a self-reflection it was. How much of like it was truly one of those movies. You know, it, it, it comes from a long line of movies before it that have similar similar plots. But the way this movie was done, I was like, oh, no, this is something. This is This is very much about societal reflection. And I I, yeah, it was so let's talk about
0: the difference then between a regular horror movie and the worst one to specifically at 2 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. What do you think it is? So, I mean, horror movies work on different levels, right? And the movie I picked made me realize the difference between a movie that's built entirely to scare you and a movie that's built to track a a story. There are horror movies that you fought from beginning to end. It's all about the mood and it's all about just trying to get you in a place where they can pop things out and scare you. And then there's some resolution at the end. There's other horror movies where you kind of get emotionally attached and, and there's horror involved. I think I haven't seen it since it was in theaters, but the movie mama did Mm. that really well. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, where Mm -hmm. like it, it builds to this huge climax and like the horror tends to fade away by the end because you're so invested in the characters and what's going on. And those movies tend to be quote unquote better movies because you come out feeling like you've experienced an arc. Yes. But at 2 a.m., a movie like that, like you're not really even if 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 it's not if it's not shooting things out at you every 15 minutes, uh, you know, you're going to get tired (laughs) because it's so late. So I think a really good 2 a.m. movie is one that like can push and pull you constantly. Yes,
1: yes. And that and, and, and keeps you on the keeps you engaged, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. I think something that really, I think the, you know, just going back to like the basics of it, I think it's probably something that takes place at night because that's the other part of it too. Like you want to watch this movie and you want to feel like this could be happening outside your your home right now or inside your home right now. And also I think that there's something, you know, the 2 a.m. movie, I think Supernatural bests uh, anything. Oh, I think that, so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think that it has to come from a place of is it real? Is it not real? And that's the question of that I've seen with, you know, the few horror movies that I've watched so far with the supernatural ones. It's like the best ones are, is it real or is it not? At 2 a.m., I want to know exactly, you know, if I feel a hand on my foot, I want to know that that's the prostitute that I hired, you know, at 11. You know what I mean? It's just just right. waking me to up. To keep your company
0: me. while you were watching this movie.
1: Let me know he's going home. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's You want to know I, that, that it's the theater attendant. Checking I wanted, in on, on exactly. the nine year old. On the nine year old. The, the more that I think about that story, the more I'm like, wow. <laughs> I have, there's such trauma. Do you need yeah, do you, do you need to talk about it? Do we need Dude. to find you somebody to talk about that experience? I, I just had therapy yesterday. Like I'm <laughs> i so good, but yeah, man. I think I think that's I think that's a huge part of it. So you know, definitely a movie that keeps you engaged. Definitely a movie that is supernatural. Definitely a movie that takes place in a similar scenario to the one you're in while you're watching it. Do you think
0: something that takes place in someone's house is gonna be scarier than somebody you know?
1: Yeah, because I think I just think I think it, even if it just centers around or, or comes to a home at some point, yeah, that is your safe space, and all of a sudden it's showing the movie is showing you that your safe space is not safe. Right, that scared the shit out of me. Golly damn, dude! I'm Golly still dim. Well, you want to, you want to line it up? I'll line it up, dude. And I think you're gonna get it because, uh, you know, if you're a horror movie aficionado, you should, you should get this pretty quickly because this this movie changed the game in a lot of ways. So, fuck! I don't even want to think about this movie right now. Fuck! You can do it.
0: We're here for you. The entire listening audience is here to to get you through this
1: experience. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So... <laughs> oh, fuck you! Oh, fuck you. Dude, my fucking mic just went in the red because I, I jumped so low. <laughs> You're a fucking bitch. I'll kill you. I'll goddamn kill you. So the uh, so we open on a, on a title card. It's a black screen. And then fades up in some white lettering. And it's a eulogy. It's an it's obituary and it's talking about a woman who just died. Then from that, there's some more creepy ass music. It fades up, fades up, fades up, fades up. You hear, uh the first thing you hear, by the way, is a clicking sound, a weird clicking sound. You're not sure what the fuck that is. And then now we're pushing in, we're in a home, but we're pushing in on another home in this home, a doll's house. Stop it, Alex, god damn you. Goddamn, your ASMR bullshit. Do you know what movie it is yet? I think I do. Yeah. Pushing into this doll's house, which has a lot of detail to it. And we see there's a young man laying in a bed. But this is not a doll young man. This is a real young man. His father comes in to the bedroom carrying a black suit. Come on, Peter. It's time to get up. You know, Peter, this, uh, this uh, high school age kid is like Wake resisting up. getting up. Yeah. but He's going to get up anyway. Wake up. Father goes out to a tree house where a young girl is sleeping. Uh, she slept her all night. He's like, Hey, come on. You know, first God of all, don't be sleeping set. in the treehouse on. this late. It's, you know, it's cold. But you also it have to wonder, how, the, how the fuck did the father not know that it's his, like, pneumonia. 10-year-old daughter okay. was asleep? It was not, was not okay, in her bed. On, it was go. in this treehouse. How did he not know that? Whatever. The they go to this goddamn funeral. The mother gives this very interesting eulogy. She talks about how she didn't really know her mother and, uh, kept her at a distance and that she was actually kind of surprised to see all these people here the daughter is meanwhile drawing in a notepad you can't tell if it's a picture of the mother or if it's a picture of the grandmother who's it's an open casket funeral but there's like a foreboding sense like even at the funeral you just feel eyes watching like the, the little girl is at the casket and there's a guy in the corner and he just smiles her with this creepy ass smile and you know they go through a day, but the, what, I'll, what, I'll, what I'll draw to a close, where I'll bring the title in, is when the mother later is in her workshop. Her, the mother, you know, builds these dollhouses. You find out, and uh, she's closing up for the night, and all of a sudden she just she's just walking around in the workshop, and you just see her fucking mother standing there in the goddamn room with her, smiling. Like, and you bear. you don't even know if you're smiling. It's just so fucking faint. Of course, this movie is hereditary.
0: You know you were her favorite, right? Even when you were a little
1: baby, she wouldn't let me feed you because she needed to feed you.
0: crazy. She wanted me to be a boy. You know, I was a tomboy when I was growing up. I hated dresses and Dolls and pink
1: Who's gonna take care of
0: me. <laughs> um, excuse me, you don't think I'm gonna take care of you. But when you die why? I'm pr- I'm proud of you. Alex for watching it. Alex, I I'm proud of you for deciding that this is the <sighs> movie that you were gonna watch and then sitting down and even if you weren't watching it with sound. So
1: here's what I'm gonna say straight up. One of the best acted movies of that year. And I, I, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it before this, but truly,
0: I- yeah, I, th- I think it was. I so, remember really enjoying it. I think, I think Ari Aster is a really. Oh, he also did Midsummer. Um, and he, did I, th- the I think he's an, and the witch. he's an exciting. Right? No, he didn't. No, no, no. That's that's a different is it guy. guy. Okay. I like I like that guy more. Really, I don't remember his name. Dave Eggers. Eggers, Eggers.
1: Dave Eggers. Eggers? You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Ari, Ari Aster did Hereditary and Midsummer, and Dave Eggers did uh, The Witch and, and The Lighthouse. I think what Aster does well, and what Hereditary does really well, is it's it's subtle horror, right? Oh it's very God. psychological. It sets this mood, and you never really trust what you're looking at, and it, it's it's built on getting you so connected with the characters that little slight adjustments to to the reality of their situations it work really well, right? Like little stuff that wouldn't work if you didn't care about the characters or understand the characters and then every now and then there's these explosive moments uh like the car accident where it just everything just flips on its ass uh, and and, and shakes you up a little bit but um
1: so so had you seen this movie before no i had never seen it before and speaking to the car accident i think that that's what the movie does so like you said right so much of this movie are slow pans and 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 he plays with your line of sight so well he he plays with the foreground or the background so well and the foreground but he'll have you focusing on one thing and then the scare will come from someplace completely different and you'll have sat with that one thing for so long that you're truly waiting for that one thing to pop off like like it's it's these kind of double whammy scares that are just too much like like in so the cart this is spoilers spoiler wor- Spoiler alert for anybody who's listening. But that fucking car scene, you know, that. so the kid, you know, the, the brother uh, goes to a party with the sister Lies says he's going to like a pep rally, but is really going to a school party. And the mother, there's like a whole thing. The mother allowed her 10-year-old, you know, her small child to go with her high schooler to a party, which is a problem in itself. But, um, you know, she goes there, uh, eats something with nuts, has goes into anaphylactic shock, cannot breathe, this poor little girl. The brother is high as fuck, gets in a car to get her home. They're on the road. They're driving fast. He sees a fucking deer swerves. Her head gets fucking decapitated. And it happens so fast. And he is just in such fucking shock. Her head was sticking out the window and it's gone. Just gone. And he just, and he drives home. And it's completely calm. But like, you know, uh, the shots of shock that they were able to capture that they chose to put in. And like, you're just sitting with him and then he just goes to bed. The motherfucker just goes to bed, leaves this headless body in the car for the mother to find the next day. And this is actually based off a true story, believe it or not. Um, Really? Yeah. We're two friends. It wasn't, it wasn't a guy and his sister, but it was a guy and a friend were partying and they got high and they were driving home and the guy had his head at the window and it, you know, his head got fucking cut off by like a signpost or some shit. And then the guy kept driving and like was just in shut shock that he just left the body in the car. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I think, I think it does. It
0: explores shock really well in that shock. sense. Cause like shock is like one, it's one big thing. <clears throat> and then kind of this like quiet echo for a long time. Right. Where, where, b- before like the reality of consequences set in before anything, there's like a, a blankness right? Where, where like sound sounds different and the world the light works different. And this does that work because it takes a really long time for someone to find the girl's body. And you're just, you're waiting for it and you're following waiting. him and he's really calm and, and you feel really uncomfortable knowing exactly, you know, oh, there's a decapitated, his sister's like dead in the car, like, and you're just sitting there waiting and waiting. And then he falls asleep and wakes up and you're waiting. And, and it's just like, I think it explores that really well. His other movie, Midsummer, does like tripping on on acid. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> the whole yeah. movie they're all tripping on acid, and it does this really like the whole it's it's horror, but it's bright outside, and everybody, you know, and and the the little the little nuances of what that experience not that I would know, but the, of of what that experience is, where it's not shoving it down your throat, it's just letting you be there, and it's slowly degrading and and warping. And
1: it makes it problematic because you realize that any any scenario can be a scary scenario if you just let it settle. That's what the movie does so well is these slow fucking shots, these slow fucking shots. And and the things that, that pop out at you aren't even popping. It's not like, boo, they're just standing there they're just standing there and they're doing their thing and then so that when something fast does happen like like the you know the the again spoiler's but the the final sequence so what you find out is there's a demon that the dead grandmother has invoked because the whole movie by by the way let me slow down the whole movie i think the true brilliance of the movie is that it really is about generational trauma and the inheritance of generational trauma so you have a you know the the mother played brilliantly by Tony Collette is from the very beginning kind of unsure about her mother who's just passed rejecting in a lot of ways her mother who just passed and the son who is also played brilliantly by Alex Wolf who is the young kid in fucking Jumanji by the way um, really the new, the new Jumanji the one he's the kid that, that that turns into the rock in the game please keep your eye out for him because I just I'm gonna say it here now this kid is the real fucking deal I was like goddamn kid I, I'm just jumping all over the place now but my mind is still addled from this movie This there's a scene um so let me slow down again. The you know the the grandmother invokes this demon, and the you know the demon is trying to find a host, and the host is supposed to be the son. So it's all about kind of tracking this demon as it kind of inches closer to getting inside the sun. At one point, it, you know it, the climax of the movie, it gets into Tony Colette. She goes off. She is running around chasing this kid, terrifying. There's a the most heartbreaking scene. He's in. You know he she it chases him into the attic, and. He's in the attic, and the door's locked, and he's just like. Stop! Mom, please stop! Mom, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry! It's like heartbreaking, because this kid's just being chased by his mother, and he just doesn't understand what the fuck she's doing. And meanwhile, you the shot of her, the now famous shot, where she's like on all fours, on the ceiling of the attic, you know, like on the attic door, like banging her head furiously against the attic door. It is, oh my god, dude! Um, and th- and then of course the fucking pièce de résistance. So <laughs> he, you know, he he gets in the attic and he discovers this is all a fucking cult, and he sees the you know the decapitated head of his sister and all this bullshit.
0: Yeah, talk to me a little bit about about the ending because I I was talking about a movie like Mama that and it it answers it it answers the question of its own mythology in a way um that's satisfying and hereditary to me did did not hereditary to me used supernatural and and creepy as an out for a story that wasn't quite totally
1: developed oh i see i disagree with that because so so to me look at what the movie is about what is the what is the thesis of the film generational trauma and the fact that you can't outrun your parents that's, that's literally what it is. You, you truly write like, like Tony, the first image of the film, which I think is so brilliant um, is the dollhouse. And again, you realize that Tony Collette's character who's trying to push away from her mother builds these dollhouses, right? That's, that's what she does. She's in, in intricate detail about, and like kind of recreates scenes from her life with these dollhouses. And you very quickly get the implication that this is a form of control for her. This is her way of, of having some sort of grip on a world that she feels is slipping out of her grasp, even though she is trying to run away from a trauma, she has put that control (laughs) on her son, right? She's trying to control his life and he's pushing away from her. And so it's this, so generational trauma is a thing of, it's kind of this cycle of trauma and control. You get traumatized. So you look for control and you pass it down constantly. So the, I think that the ending, you know, again, spoilers for the third time, he said, um, the demon ends up taking over the sun. It does catch the sun, and it's very sad because you feel so bad for this fuck. He's had the worst fucking <laughs> fucking couple couple weeks in his life. And you're just like, oh, you poor boy. But it's also, I mean, it's the truth of it, which is like, you really can't escape these things. Now, what you do to heal it, you know, I think is I think is the original sin the movie is pointing towards, right? None mm-hmm. of these people actually tried to reconcile with their trauma. They just right. tried to push it away. And and that's what happens when you push it away is it, it controls you. And, you know, and like the mother, I mean, God, like Tony Collette's character's death in this fucking movie is probably the scariest moment of the film. I don't opinion. recall, actually. You don't, you don't recall her levitating above her son and cutting her own head off with piano wire? You don't recall that? No, nah, it's just another Tuesday for me. Out. Al- Alex, you fucking asshole.
0: I guess that movie like by the time it gets to the end, we'll just remember being exhausted by it.
1: It's it's terrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah and I I I'm recalling it now, yeah, that 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 might yeah. have happened.
1: That, that um, does Let me just say again, Toni Collette cuts off her own head with piano wire while staring blankly into the eyes of her son. That is how the movie that is and the movie's not even over. That's maybe 7 minutes away from the ending of the movie. The movie continues after that moment. Dude, oh my god. I vaguely I vaguely remember now. <laughs> she it, and that's the thing, right? When you have a when you have a movie that is that is well-paced, that is well-structured, you know, even if your ending is a little ambiguous. Well,
0: so the real ending so then he goes out to the treehouse, right? Yes. The one where we first find his sister. Yes. Uh and there's like 18 old naked people in there. The cult. Yeah, the cult his grandmother's cult and, and I don't know to me, to me, it just seemed like why, well, the, it the just imp- it tried to get bigger and bigger and bigger and, and, end on this, like, like pulling you deeper and deeper into it. Um, the implication the it was stretched
1: and to me. The implication was that this is something that his, you know, his grandmother's control was never relinquished. Right. Even in death, this was all planned. Killing right. the daughter was planned. Everything that happened was part of a, a larger plan. And this was something that he could not escape. Interesting. And um, you know, cause again, he, what, what well, he goes into this room, he sees the naked people. He sees all these fucking effigies and then the light, the light switches over him and he, and the demon is taken over and he clicks his, clicks his tongue and they say, hail payment, hail pay. Okay. This is the, and then, by the way, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever want to know when shit is going to get worse before it gets better, if Ann Dowd is in your movie, if an, if just in general, if Ann Dowd is in your movie, unless if, your and, movies walk hard, yeah, if Anne Dowd shows up in your life. Well no, that's that's what's her name. That's that's Margot Martindale. And I always get them confused because Mar Margot Oh Martindale, are they not the same? They're not the same. They're not the same. Anne Dowd and Margot Martindale really? are. Anne Dowd. And they're both brilliant actresses. I'm I'm literally looking at Anne Dowd's picture. I'm like, no, that's yeah, That's look at, her. Look at but Margo. it's not. It's Margot Martindale. Yep, I, and I only know that because Margot Martindale is one. If, of my... if you Google Margot Martindale, uh, it fills the the first thing on Google that it fills in is Margot Martindale and out. I know <laughs> they, they literally they're very similar in Here's like a, them together. And they've actually played. Oh first. wow! Yeah, exactly, exactly. Isn't that crazy? Like very easy mistake. My mind is blown. Yeah, yeah. Very easy mistake.
0: So so how did you feel when you when you get to this point because this is a movie that descends, right? Yes. Yes. Uh it's a slow descent into into it's a, head, madness. a very slow <laughs> descent into yeah. madness. So it's late at night, you're getting more tired, um, you're getting, uh, you're you're like like physically, right? The trauma of the first half of the movie has left you in a way. So like do you think that shaped how you experienced the ending?
1: Yeah. Oh my, I by the end I was like I just want this sh- like, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I literally, and it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I have to turn the movie off. I was like, no, we're going to finish this shit. But I also, as soon as the movie was over, you know, I had to fucking turn out the lights and go back to my fucking bed. <laughs> and there's all these, and like half of the movie scares are people hiding in shadowy corners of your home when the lights are off. So it was like, fuck you. And like, I almost punched my cat because he was like, meow, I was like shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, Ferris. You don't know what I'm going through right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love my cat. He's he's my best friend. But goddamn, it was terrifying. Um, so yeah, but you know, but but in answer to your question, by the end of it, yeah, I I just felt like um there was just so much imagery that I had seen that I really it, and it did I to be honest with you, it didn't take me too long to fall asleep. I was like, I was like. Yeah out i was like nope done we're going to bed and i and i put on you we were texting each other laughing like it's time for some always sunny after this i actually put on like the opposite of this which is like i watched this uh this youtube channel called townsend's which is this Mm -hmm. guy who makes he does 18th century cooking he's like this basically the mr rogers of the 18th century he's like this amazing yeah and so he was like today we're gonna we're gonna learn how to make succotash we're gonna make corn succotash and i was like great teach me how to make succotash sir <laughs> the anti-horror is corn succotash a fucking bollock 18th century corn succotash so yeah mine and then he needs-
0: turned and looked into the screen and started talking to you directly
1: and then i said absolutely not good night bye <laughs> goodbye but seriously though i will say if you're just looking for a good like i i really do believe it's just such a well-done film it's
0: it's yeah and i liked it better if 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 midsummer is your only introduction to Ari Aster hereditary is very different, yeah, um, better in my in my opinion
1: yeah, please watch uh, i haven't I haven't watched midsummer all the way through. I've only watched clips, so I have to do that next. but uh,
0: yeah, you kind of need to watch midsummer all the way through to to get yeah. it It's a very slow burn into madness and it it doesn't use shadows. it doesn't use any it literally like you just start to go crazy as you're watching it.
1: It seems like it's a very similar setup in a way to.
0: It is, yeah, and the, and the the whole thing. It's a you know, I think he describes it as a breakup movie. Like the whole thing is about ending a relationship and and power and control in a in a relationship, um, which like yeah, it fits, it works, and and it's good, but it's not it's not hereditary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, I uh, I I watched. Well, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, watched I'm proud it. of you. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud, proud of you. Too. I'm never doing that shit again. This was next. We'll do
0: worst movie to watch at 3 a.m.
1: Listen, you know what? I was actually thinking about that. I was like, because that's kind of the natural sequel to this. Is at some point we do a 3 (laughs) a.m. Like, what's the like when you're even more tired? What's the worst movie to watch? So I actually would be down for that. But this was terrible for 2 a.m. So fuck you, Hereditary. Oh hey hey hey, it's
0: all right, Charlie. You're all right now.
1: You are Paymon, one of the eight kings of hell. Hail, Paymon. talking about your film.
0: All right. Uh this one this one you'll get, this one everybody knows. Um so my original choice was your original choice was it follows. Uh similar kind of movie actually to I mean completely different from hereditary but that same kind of, you know, slow burn, it's coming for you. Um my original movie was paranormal activity. Uh which I thought just because it's it's in your house, it's things happening to you at night. It worked really well, the The style of it and the like the little it's the little things that get you. Um, I went a different direction now, as I thought I was scrolling through all the horror movies I could find in my collection. And I there was one that I just I kept going past like, I'm not going to watch that. Like, there's no way like I'll find something uh, easier to swallow. And I kept coming back to it saying, like, I really don't want to watch this right now. Yep. I thought that there has to be <laughs> there has to be a reason that this is the one movie, even though I've seen it a couple times already, it affects me physically to think about putting this on, putting headphones on, turning off the lights and watching this right now. So I was like, all right, that's that's the one. Okay. Two girls watching TV.
1: Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Terrible.
0: They're, they're talk- one girl is talking to the other about the, you know, the electromagnetic television. waves in the air and how dangerous oh, they have, are.
1: They hate- Stuck, you know, I heard so many
0: and they eventually get to the topic of a VHS tape.
1: Yeah, you why heard about you? this tape. I have not heard about this tape, and I don't want to hear you. Haven't it. heard
0: about it? I haven't heard it's about this tape where if you watch it, stop it, <laughs> it'll kill like that you voice. in seven days.
1: I don't like that voice, and I don't like the tape. Nobody likes the voice or the tape. It's a terrible voice, and the terrible you don't tape. Even
0: need any more setup for the ring. So what I love about this movie, and it has fallen into the same annals as, you know, as scream these movies from that era of like jump scare for for whatever reason, all these movies start with teenage girls in their own house. Mm -hmm. But this one, this one's different. This one uh, is, is wholly built around its style, right? It's main character is pretty uninteresting. Um, the the story there is no story outside of the scariness Mm -hmm. right there is no real deeper you know there's there's little things about parenthood and about this stuff but it's literally just there to support the creepiness of everything that's happening so it's following uh, naomi watts's character rachel whose niece uh is one of the girls in the opening scene who has admitted that she watched this videotape and ends up dying and naomi watts rachel has to figure it out right she she's curious she hears from the friends about it turns out they all you know she had snuck away to go on a weekend trip with her friends all the friends who watch the tape they're all dead now it's about the tape helen don't even what tape the one that kills you when you watch it oh please what was on the tape I haven't seen it, obviously. So she goes to investigate, ends up watching the tape and is given, you know, the phone rings and she's given this seven day, you know, if you don't know the ring by now, I can't, I can't help you. But from the get go, what makes this like uh, even just talking about it, you're like, oh, no, like, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to watch this because every single scene is rotten. (laughs) Every single scene without doing anything, you just know that something creepy, something crazy, something like bigger than you is waiting there, right? The characters exist in this universe where... Uh, this like universe of darkness, right? And it doesn't even matter where it it comes from. Is
1: there ever sunlight in the entire? There's not the
0: the whole time. It's dark. The whole time it's raining. Every time she's outside, even during the day, they pump all of this fog and mist. uh, And it's it in and everything is soaked and damp. And there's, it's joyless. It is completely joyless. And it's contrasted by Naomi Watts, who's just like the most beautiful person you've ever seen in your life, who's very confident, who's very whatever, who's just thrust into this situation that that she really, really wants to solve. And you understand that it's like right from the beginning, we're just living in hell, basically. You know, like it doesn't matter what happens because everybody's involved. Every single character we talk to, we approach is somehow involved in this craziness. So we come to find out, you know, there's a a little girl, Samara, who was adopted by this woman who lived on an island with her and her husband. And it turns out the little girl is evil. You know, it's the same Oh, little girl is evil and you have to, you know, defeat the, the little evil girl. Um, defeat the little evil girl. Defeat the little evil evil girl. You find out that she had been uh, like hidden away in the barn by her dad to try to spare the mother who was being driven insane by her. Of course. And eventually, the mother the mother takes her to this this well out in the middle of the woods and and kills her and throws her in, or thinks she kills her and throws her in. But she survives down in the well for seven days.
1: Oh, P.S. Funny story. Uh, so I did a show called The Last Goodbye at the Old Globe. And uh, it was Romeo and Juliet mixed with the music of Jeff Buckley. Really good show. Um, and my friend Michael Kimmel uh, wrote it and put it together. and It was really just like a truly awesome thing. The woman who played Lady Capulet was an incredible, incredible actress. We are, you know, when you do a regional show, they, they house you in like kind of almost like these like dorms but like like really they have you know they have like apartments or an apartment building they'll have my apartment was always below hers so i would mm-hmm. always go down there and like we just talk about like her career and she would make moscow mules and we would just sit and like drink and like chat and it was really nice she just a lovely lady but like every time i saw her i was like you really like there's something about you like that you just creep me out just fucking creep me out i don't know what it is and then finally, I was sitting there like one of our, one of the, I like, it was like the night before we opened the show, I was sitting there with her just drinking a Moscow Mule and I was like, you're the fucking lady from the ring. You're the goddamn mother. <laughs> and sure enough, it was, yeah, Sh- Shannon Cochran. Shannon Cochran. No was, way. And I was like, oh my fucking God, you terrified the shit out of me.
0: My so you you sat down in a basement in the middle of the night with the mother from the ring. That's uh, a, Accurate accurate that's fucking terrifying
1: (laughs) Terror. I was like I for so long because she's such a nice person she's like an amazing actor and such a nice person yeah I I was like why why do I feel unsafe with that's (laughs) That's why. That's I mean, even why. even to this day,
0: right? This movie came out in two thousand and two. This was a very long time. It was almost twenty years ago. This movie came out. As soon as someone says like "creepy little girl," this is the like the girl from the ring is still like a cultural identity yep. of a of a thought. <laughs> yep, and all the hair over the face and and pulling hair out of the mouth, like all these tropes that have since been beaten to death by you know the who's that guy Oh, and <laughs> my, my wife is standing there with her hair over her face nope to, that's actually pretty scary babe yeah tell her to pull her hair back please pull your hair back for the good of the pod for the good of the pod oh, um god damn it it's just that it's the whole movie's just built on on visual torture yeah yeah i mean i i'm trying to i'm trying to think like as, as a 2 a.m movie i think i chose it because it doesn't engage on a deeper level than just trying to keep you down in hell with it. Like it, it doesn't try to tell a deeper story. There's, there's not like a bigger thing, even when you think you get to the end and you think that things have resolved and you're like, okay, that's like, yeah, I see the arc of the movie. And then probably the scariest moment in the whole movie to me is she's laying on the bed with her son you know, she's she's better now. She's helped the oh. girl. She went down to the well and helped the girl come out.
1: Don't you have to be at work? Not today. What happened to the girl? Samara. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Is she still in the dark place? No. We set her free. You helped her?
0: Yeah. Why did you do that? And you just like, I'm getting chills just like thinking about it. You realize, oh shit, no, everything's not better. Everything is actually way worse. Like we thought we were out past every scene where where you're just, you'd want it to end. And you finally get this conclusion. And then you realize, no, it's it's about to get worse than before. I just, I just, ah, ah. It's ah, really... and I don't like, not have anything smart to say about no, it. I just and it's, ah. <laughs> and it And
1: was, it, was, it was truly the first, you know, because what, what year was this that this came out, The Ring? 2002. 2002. So this was right on the heels of Blair Witch, which was 98, I believe, or 99. And, you know, Blair Witch, you know, was... was Blair Witch is really, if you watch it back, it's like a study in tension, right? It's like, because nothing happens in Blair Witch. Truly, right. nothing happens. But it's the expectation that something is going Correct. to happen. And the way they were able to build that. So I think this movie almost I, I I almost see a world where they like you know they were still kind of on that track of running with that, but you know they kind of combined the best of a you know and granted this because this was a remake right ringu was the it first, was yes right um but I think it's like yeah you take take the take certain elements of a slasher film where you have you have a specific monster that you see that is tangible that is coming to get you, but even then isn't the first time you see the like the girl crawl like you know do things is is when it kills scott summers right
0: yeah the so the the first time i mean the only time really that the the girl herself actually does something is at the very end when when you know scott summers plays the ex-husband uh of naomi watts's character you know and he, he has this dope loft oh in yeah Manhattan, like yeah you know, wherever whatever city they're in portland or yeah, wherever this amazing rich. creative loft and deal and his tv turns on and and The well, and and I think what this movie does really well is it plays with its repeating imagery, but changing things each time you see it, right? So you watch the tape a million times and every time it extends a little bit and they get to the end of the in the middle of the movie, they get to the end of the tape and there's a shot of the well. And the first time you see it, it's just the well and then it cuts. The second time you see it, it's the well and you see a hand come out. And now this time it finishes, right? the well is there and the girl who you have seen now crawls out
1: and then she walks forward and then she crawls out of the TV. Well also well, it's it's because it's what they show you and it's what they don't it's, it's that thing of like, because even then you still don't see what she does to Scott Summers, you just see his corpse later
0: Hey guys, it's me um, as an aside, Nick keeps referring to this actor as Scott Summers so the actor is actually Martin Henderson uh, I looked it up and the best I can tell is Scott Summers is the pedestrian name of the x-men's cyclops
1: and also it sets you up because by the end of the movie you have watched the tape so like now you got to wait seven days to see what the fuck's gonna happen to you right (laughs)
0: like like (laughs) so it it sends the audience out to like and and to their credit they don't really push that because they could be like they could make that really obvious like you have watched the tape like the kid could say some line at the end like what about who? Well, oh no! You know what? He does say that at the end. Actually, I take that back. Uh, what about the people we show it to? Yep, exactly. You know, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. We're safe now because the, the idea is you don't die if you copy the tape and show yep. it to someone else. Oh my god! Um, which is insane. I, I and I mean going back, like I, the I think what this film does the best is the visual play, right? Yep. It really does take this repeating the stud the ladder. And the lighthouse and the tree and the everything, it all kind of comes full circle and makes sense within the story of the supernatural. And and they start it from the very beginning. So like there's really not one character or object or anything introduced that does not matter, that does not pull you in. So you become to you you come to feel very familiar with everything going on. And then they and then they subvert it a little bit and they twist it and mutilate it. Um, and it makes you feel like that the thing that you think you finally have a grasp on, you don't. Um, the g- genius thing, when she's looking at the tape and on in, in the, the, the video, there's a fly, right. That you think like, Oh, it's on the camera or whatever. And there's that genius moment. She's copying the tape and she pauses it. The video's paused and the fly's wing is twitching. And then she reaches out and picks it off the TV. And you're like, Oh, like this is, this is more than just like, oh it's this more, than, is, this is, more uh, than this is more than this is shape. oh uh, yeah
1: what's wrong honey It was not supposed to help her it's okay now she's not gonna hurt you she
0: don't you understand rachel she never sleeps
1: hey alex anyway <laughs> fuck that yeah you ever heard about that podcast Little Justice? The one where if you if you listen to it in 7 days you get a million dollars. If you can make it through one episode, one episode of, this podcast, of Little Justice you get
0: a million dollars. A million
1: dollars tax-free.
0: You're, you're going to need it for all that therapy. For all that goddamn therapy yeah, you're going to need after
1: after Tony Collette chases you into the goddamn attic. Oh, oh my god, god. Terrible, terrible terrible tony collette i almost picked uh the sixth sense i mean excellent movie but not and again a, t- a,
0: a movie that's too re- resolutiony it's too the story's too good in the sixth sense the script is too solid for it to stay scary there's some jump scares there's some scary stuff but but the characters are too interesting yeah it really at 2
1: a.m i think i think that's you really do have to um you know, and that's why I th- I really do think the work of Tony Collett and Alex Wolf, especially in Hereditary, is transcendent from that movie because you really don't want your characters to be at, on paper too likable. We want like we want we want to empathize with them, but we also want to be able to remove ourselves, right? Um, you know what I mean? And 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 just like go on the journey. But Tony, I mean, it's really heartbreaking moments, really things that did not have to be as deep as they were, uh, became deeper in the hands of these two amazing actors. Um, The whole cast, everyone in the cast, but specifically them was just phenomenal. So there you have it, Hereditary and Ring, the Ring, Ringu. Um, If you, yeah, please tweet at us. I know I mentioned this earlier. Uh, We would love to hear what your horror movies are. So um, at, again, I'm going to say it again, at Lil Justice pod l-i-l-j-u-s-t-i-c-e-p-o-d i'll think of a song for that later yeah don't knock on things when we're talking about horror do you know how quickly i thought that was someone in another room (sighs) alex you're gonna you're gonna fucking burn for this i'm gonna watch you you helped her stop it stop it why why would you do I'm getting off I'm getting off this podcast Ladies and gentlemen Have a wonderful day Please stay safe Fuck you Alex (laughs) Small
0: Little justice Little justice Little justice